Hello and welcome to episode 245 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now it has been a few weeks since you've heard my voice. Yes, I have to admit it's been three whole weeks since you've had an episode of Mark and Me. Now there's a number of reasons why. One is that we've just had Christmas so it's been absolutely manic as always. Number two is I've had this really stinking cold that everyone seems to have. I've had a headache, I've had sore throats, I really have felt really under the weather and I didn't want to record an episode where I'm coughing all the way through and sound croaky so I feel that right now I'm almost there and now's the right time to come back. But not only that, I never anticipated my last episode to do as well as it did. Veal Velo from the amazing hymn Blew Up. It's my most downloaded episode of all time. But not only that, it's doubled any other episode that I've done. I've never seen a response like it. I've seen fan sites sharing it on Instagram. I've seen people on Facebook that I've never seen before sharing it. I've seen new people on Twitter. And honestly, the response has been absolutely insane. I really can't believe just how much this episode's blown up. So thank you to everyone that's listened. But today I'm back with a brand new episode and I'm joined by the incredible Irish actor Patrick Bergen. Patrick is best known for his leading role opposite Julia Roberts in Sleeping with the Enemy, one of the best villains in cinema history in my opinion. But not only that, he's been in Robin Hood, Patriot Games and many more. And on today's episode we get to talk all about these in much more detail. I can't wait to share this interview with you and it feels so good to be starting the new year with this. I hope everyone's had an incredible Christmas and usually on these episodes I don't actually timestamp them with this but I just want to say I hope everyone's had an amazing Christmas. I can't wait for 2023 and honestly last year was my biggest ever year but I always want to try and take it to a new level and I've got some incredible stuff planned for 2023 and I can't wait to take you all on the journey. So I think the best thing to do right now is to get the interview with me and Patrick. So here's me and Patrick talking all things film. So Patrick, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. Patrick, what I like to do for the listeners is take it right back to the very start. So talk to me about when you were a child, what were the first films that you watched at the cinema or at home that you fell in love with? Ben-Hur. Oh, what a classic. Go there with the big one straight away. Ben-Hur, wow. Yeah, it was great. And... Uh... The robe. I was. I like. I like those religious programs. And was this a very young age? Were you watching these films, thinking to yourself, "How were these made?" Or were you just enjoying them because you're a child I and you? I was just enjoying them. I loved them. I loved and I loved the westerns. The Magnificent Seven, obviously. Rio Rio Bravo was a particular favorite of mine when I was got a bit older. So, can you remember sitting there watching these films? At what point was it that you thought to yourself, "I want to be like them. I want to be in the telly. I want to be on the big screen. I want to be an actor." We used to play cowboys and Indians on the street in, in Drimna in Dublin. Oh, nice. So, so you know, you, I, I quite like being the Indian. <laughs> <laughs> so you're sitting we, there playing these games and shooting each other and running after each other thinking we're in our own little Western. Yeah, there was, and there was a cinema up the street called a Star. And it was, uh, we used to spell it backwards and call it the Rats. <laughs> <laughs> and we you were allowed to go there uh they used to have films on when much older you'd go maybe three or four times a week because they'd have a film on monday monday tuesday wednesday and then they'd have wednesday thursday friday they would have a a, a bill for 
Sunday night, especially for courting couples. And Sunday afternoon would be a matinee for, for us crowded, smelly children. And um, so, and it was, a, sometimes it was so busy up there, you'd be two in a seat. And I, I just adored it and loved it. And uh, so that was, that was my childhood, going to the cinema. And we'd, we'd walk up to the cinema and just go away into the fantasy world. My first serious time, I, I, a film I ever saw that I, I thought was just a little bit different and, and one that would intrigue me for the future was a film that not, not many people talk about. It's called uh, The Fiend That Walked the West. I've never seen that. No, and it had Hugh O'Brien and, and Robert Evans, who later became a, a famous producer who produced Chinatown. And it was his, his lasting acting role. He thought he was terrible in it, but believe me, he was absolutely brilliant in it. He, it was a strange story about um, Hugh O'Brien had robbed the bank. And uh, even the, the robbery was uh, semi-comic because he got pushed into the safe and that's how he got caught. And when he went to prison, he had to share a cell. But on the first day with this character played by Robert Evans. And uh, then um, on the first day, he had to, they, they would do a chain gang and then they'd get fed. And Robert Evans was the person who dished out the food. And this great big hulk of a guy came along and he was always first in the queue. And he um, uh, uh, tried to get, he'd eat his meal and he'd run around to the back of the queue and, and trying to get served second time. And uh, Robert Evans refused to give it to him. And a, a fight broke out and Hugh O'Brien defended Robert Evans. And uh, then um, the next day, Rob, uh, Robert Evans had a, a little statue, glass statue of a rabbit in his, his uh, cell. And the next day, he ground it up into the food. And when the guy came, he gave him some glass of his food. And he, he died with a... a, a, a uh, I guess, a destroyed stomach. Uh, to cut a long story short, uh, he got out of prison before Hugh O'Brien and he, he went to Hugh O'Brien's mother because he heard that that was maybe where he, 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 some of the money was stored because some of the some of the, money, the robbers got away. And uh, the little old lady, like all, for all the, the, the woman in the, 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 the American picture of the little old lady by the fire, she was like that, and there was a bow and arrow above her head. And Robert Evans said to her, "Your your 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 brother, your son would love me to have the money." And she says she doesn't know about that, and she wouldn't know where it was, etc. But she was clearly hiding. And he took the um, the the bow and arrow off the, the mantelpiece, and lo and behold, he pointed at her, pulled the string, and then killed her. Oh my God! <laughs> oh my. Yes, exactly. I thought, oh my God. <laughs> I was not expecting that. This is a movie and a half. And uh, so that, that, that was showed me to sort of led me into liking slightly horror films as well. So what was it at what point where you thought to yourself, I want to be an actor, I want to go down the route of doing this as a profession and I want to try and make it. Was there a certain point in your life that you had that kind of switching moment? Well, there was a couple of moments. My, my elder brother is an actor, and my yeah. father had, uh, my father had started a theatre in, uh, in, um, uh, in, in his hometown of Carlow. And so there was a sort of theatricality in the house. And my, my brother-in-law, uh, he married my sister. He was slightly older than my sister. He, she was only about 17. He was about 25 from Glasgow. 
And one day he was in the kitchen of our home and uh, he was he was a good looking guy and he was kind of posing in the mirror with his uh, sort of uh, white beanie t-shirt on. And uh, he'd, he had slicked back hair from the 50s, that kind of style. And uh, he um, was posing in the, and he was clenching his jaw. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, of course. And making the jaws on the side of his muscle, of his cheeks kind of move. And uh, he, he turned around to me and said, what are you looking at to me? Because I was, I was watching this. And he said, uh, I said, I'm looking at you. He says, can you see what I'm doing? I said, yeah. And he, he looked at me and he says, that's what I'm doing. He says, can you do that? I went into the mirror and did it. He says, you can be an actor. Wow. And that was, that was one of those. That was the turning point, was it? That was the big seed, yeah. So obviously the 90s was absolutely huge for you. And if you look at the spam from the span over kind of, it's it's crazy when I look at the, the release schedule that you were working at. So you had Mountains of the Moon, Highway to Hell, Robin Hood, Sleeping with the Enemy and Patriot Games all over sort of a 24 month period. Yeah. How, was, was, how did you survive? I mean, there wasn't energy drinks then. There wasn't Red Bull. <laughs> did, you, did you never ever sleep? How, how did you cope? And there was more because it was also the time that um, uh, uh, cable came into being. And because of the strength of those films, I became a, you know, you were always considered for these movies on the strength of your previous movie. And because Sleeping with the Enemy and Patriot Games, et cetera, had done fairly well, and, and Sleeping with the Enemy's case very well, uh, y- you go up the list according to the amount of money you're, you're, uh, your your films make yeah and uh those cable channels used to promise a film a year a film a new film every week that's 52 films a year and uh that's a hell of a lot of films to be made and i was in quite a few of them (laughs) (laughs) the rest of the 90s was spent to and trying to canada and places like that because they're normally shot outside the u.s and how was it? Because some of those films, let's talk Sleeping with the Enemy, like Julia Roberts and yourself, the chemistry you had on screen, one of the films that people still talk about now, and it's just over 30 years old. What an iconic character and what an incredible experience it must have been. Yeah, I'm very proud of that. It was, uh, and I kind of based it on uh, a bit of that, uh, uh, the theme that walked the West. <laughs> there was a certain Gothic element to the, the character that I tried to, tried to bring. And uh, so, and there was an extraordinary chemistry. And I, I, I'm very proud of the fact that it was, it was, I, it was my music that he, they chose from the beginning for, for, for uh, Martin's theme music, uh, uh, Symphony Fantastic by Berlioz. And I, 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 I was involved, it was, Joe, Joe was very inclusive and he helped me a great deal with uh, uh, my part, but I also helped him in a, in a way because for example, there was a scene in the movie towards the end when I had a huge monologue uh, to, to deliver and uh, it was rambling and it, it wasn't to the point really, I felt. And I said to Joe, I couldn't really say all of that and be convincing. And he said, well, what would you like to say? What would you say? And I said, I can't live without you and I won't let you live without me. Oh, and beautiful, bomb. chilling. And that was the chill. And he says, he called for the, the Oscar winning writer, Bruce Joel Rubin or whatever his name was. And uh, he says, that's going in the script. And uh, so I was proud of that. 
it was it was a great experience doing it. Julie was wonderful, and uh, <laughs> the whole, the whole uh, journey was a great one for me. It must have been amazing because her career as well has gone on and on and she's done so well, some incredible performances. But I always go back to that as kind of the peak. I always look at that as just a just an incredible performance from both of you. I just think they don't make films like that anymore that get under your skin and make you feel kind of quite eerie. I think you're right. It, it really does stand the test of time. It's it's, it's a bit like Psycho. Yeah. Because that's, that, that's the other character I kind of base my delivery on is Anthony Perkins in Psycho, that sort of weird, lonely, strange person. And uh, I think it, I think it worked. <laughs> and only a year later, you did Patriot Games and working with Harrison Ford. I mean, one of my favorite actors, obviously, for Star Wars and all these sort of great films. But that must have been an incredible experience, because, again, that film, 30 years old this year, still t- stands the test of time. A brilliant, brilliant action film from start to finish with a great story, which sometimes you lose because of the special effects and stuff like this. But it had everything. I think it's a, an amazing film. I love whenever it's on TV. I'm glued to it straight away. Oh, I was glad to hear that. Uh, it was it, it was a, a very big scale movie. There's no question about it. We shot it in uh, in in London and England and in the desert out in uh, in California, and uh, it was a joy to work with. Harrison is a charming man. And um, everybody involved in it were, were really, really professional. And uh, we shot on the, the, the boat scenes were actually shot on Paramount Lot, which is extraordinary because they look like as if they're shot out at sea, but they're in fact shot on the back of Paramount. That's and, crazy. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's very convincing. No, it was a, it was a great thing to work with, and that did my career no harm. And did you kind of learn a lot what, during those years working with these people like Harrison Ford, like Julia Roberts, these people that have gone on and won Oscars and have been so successful? Did, did you kind of sit on set and watch them when you weren't doing your own takes and kind of learn from them? Whenever I could, I, I always enjoyed watching them. But you, <clears throat> the, uh, the, the main thing is just to focus on your own, your own the story. And, yeah. and, and your, that, that's the main thing every time. And if you can, if you can, if you can concentrate on that, you're doing your job. Turn up on time, know your lines, and don't bump into the furniture. <laughs> and then moving on from there, obviously you've had some such up and downs of films. You know, stuff like Shark Assault. We've had Lawnmower Man Two, which was, you know, I never thought we'd get a sequel to Lawnmower Man. Uh, Finding You, all these different variety of roles. What's been some of your favourite roles over the last ten years since those big, huge blockbusters? Well, the, the the one that I always say is an extraordinary film is a film called Mountains of the Moon, which I had done just prior to Sleeping with the Enemy. Yeah. And I played the, the, an explorer, Rich, Sir Richard Burton, who went to uh, Africa to discover the source of the Nile. And I don't know if you ever get a chance to see it, I recommend it. It's, uh, it's a huge, huge canvas. And uh, he went to, to, to Africa and they, I was out in Africa filming for months. It was a wonderful experience with the the Rindili tribe in the Almolo. The Rindili lived on, survived on camel's milk and camel's blood. The Almolo had Nile perch alone to eat, so it was just extraordinary. In fact, a very funny story was <clears throat> I was out in the, uh, filming filming in, up by Lake Turkana in, in northern Kenya, and um, I was being a very serious actor and going off at lunchtime instead of going for lunch to study my lines and be focused for the afternoon's performance. It was a big scene in the afternoon. 
So I walked out into the desert. There was absolutely nothing out there. Just the odd acacia tree and the, this mist off coming up off the desert heat wave. And out of that wave heat came the seven foot Turkana warrior with a spear. And he beckoned me forward with his finger, come here. In other words, I thought, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked over to him and he said, where are you from? And I said, uh, um, I'm from Ireland. He came a little bit closer and said, where? I said, Ireland. And he looked over his left shoulder. He looked over his right and said, somebody might be listening. He brought me even a little bit further and he said, are you still having problems with the Catholics and Protestants over there? <laughs> That's incredible. It was incredible, yeah. And very shortly after uh, Patriot Games, I got a wonderful, wonderful film that everybody must go and watch. And very few people have. It's called Map of the Human Heart. It is just amazing movie. And it was an amazing experience shooting it. We shot it up in um, in, 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 in the Arctic, basically, northern Canada, up, and up, up beyond uh, Lake um, Turk, not, oh, I'm getting the lakes mixed up, uh, Inish Boffin and Inish, way up in there, way up in Canada anyway. And uh, I actually slept in an igloo overnight. It was just six or 40 below degrees. And I'm just sitting here moaning today that it's minus four and I feel cold. Where are you based? Uh, in Shropshire. Oh, excuse me. I thought you were in California. No, Shropshire's <laughs> oh, nowhere near as cold as uh, what you've been through. Well, I'm in Tipperary. Yeah. <laughs> and it's quite cold. It's four, minus four here as well. Although the sun is out as we speak this moment. Yeah, I can see it through your glasses. It looks nice considering it's uh, yeah. such a cold day across the country. And out the window, I'm, 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 I'm talking to you from my castle in, 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 in Ireland. Beautiful. Yes, yeah, one, one, one of my favourite films I've seen over the last five years, and I'm a huge fan of Ben Wheatley, like huge. I think he's never done a bad film, but Free Fire is just amazing. And to work for you alongside Brie Larson, Cillian Murphy, Army Hammer, some of the incredible talent, but the director himself, Ben, that must have been an amazing experience because that film for me... It was just incredible. One of the best crime action films probably I've seen in 10 years. Wasn't it wonderful? It was Unbelievable. I, I've got a great story for that as well. It's the reason why I was cast, apart from being a, the actor he absolutely needed, um, was that um, my, you asked about my first acting role. My first acting role in some ways was when I was about six years of age. Um, the family moved home moved house from the inner Dublin out to this uh, district called Drimna and Sticks of Dublin, that's on the outskirts, as it was then anyway. And um, we happened to move on Halloween. And so our, our truck carrying all our furniture pulled up in, in this cul-de-sac, keyhole-shaped cul-de-sac in, in, in Drimna with all this stuff on the back of our truck. And I think it was because of that, that all the kids thought it was a bonfire. And they followed this truck right up into, into the keyhole. And they were all wearing masks and carrying flames and all sorts of things like that. And I ran out to the, I went out to the gate to, to see all this happening. And uh, these 
crowd gathered around me and said, who are you? Where are you from? What's your name? And I was so scared. I ran into my mom and said, they're all asking me questions. I said, what did I tell them? <laughs> tell them anything you want, she said. So I went out and he said, what's your name? And I said, Bernard. <laughs> that was the name of my best friend from where I just left. And what's your second name? Uh, and my mother used to sing a song called, get up out of that, you impotent and brought Mr. McGuire, sit down. And I said, McGuire. So I was, I was called Bernard McGuire and I, that was short, shortened to Ben McGuire. And uh, uh, I went, actually went to school for five years under that name, pseudonym, until my father had to come up and tell the teachers that it wasn't my real name. <laughs> but, but cut to, to 15 years later, and I'm uh, in, in London, up in Chalk Farm. And I used to do a gig. I play music a lot as well. With a little band used to play in the in the Sir Richard Steele in Haverstock Hill there, in, uh, in Chalk Farm. And um, who used to come along every night was this, uh, this family, lots of people, but including Ben Wheatley as a child. Oh, wow. And he was like, his father and mother used to come all the time, and he'd come along with them. He was like a teenager. He'd, he'd have been, I don't know how old he is now, but he'd, he'd only been about 10 or 11 or 12 or something. And uh, and I was called Ben, and he was called Ben. And when he got to, was casting that movie, he remembered me as known as Ben, and he phoned and asked me would I be in his movie. That's incredible. And the fact is... That cast alone, I mean, Cillian Murphy for me is one of the best British actors out there right now. Can, can I ask you to pronounce it Killian? Killian, of course. I always <laughs> say Cillian, but Killian Murphy uh, is yeah. by far one of the best actors in the country, I think. I think he's oh, an absolute no, delight. No, the, it was a great cast, absolutely, and, and so cleverly done. All done in a warehouse at the back of Brighton. Mind-blowing, and it's done so well. You'd think it wouldn't work, and the fact, you know, the runtime's an hour and a half. It doesn't matter. It still keeps you on the edge of your seat. I think Brie Larson's amazing, and everything worked about that film. I just, I thought it was amazing. So to see you involved in it must have been a, a an incredible experience. Oh, it's a, it a joy, you know. And he's a, he's a great character. All all of the people worked on were fantastic, and you can't get over it. It was made in a warehouse in the back of Hollingbury. It's, it's mad. Well, Absolutely crazy. No, I think they'd one foray down to uh, uh, Shoreham or somewhere to shoot some boat scene or something. That was about it. And obviously at the moment you're promoting Nutcracker Massacre, which is what everyone wants this oh, Christmas. Oh, scary movie again. Horror. Oh, like you said, oh, Neil, your, early, your early roots were horror. And obviously you've got to return to horror yet again for your most recent film. Now, right. How did this opportunity come for you? What was it all about? Because it's it's a crazy film. I've been lucky enough to see a um, advance of copy of it, and yeah, I, I can't go wrong with I think horror and Christmas for me. That's the perfect combo, and that's why I love Absolutely. these sort of films. Well, I, I I I'd been very close to doing a couple of films for Jeff Miller, and uh, uh, so I was on his list as actors to to work with gladly, and I hope to do more with him because I think he is. He has a long line of amazing films that he's done. And uh, this was just a joy to, to, to get. And it was a good timing. It was, uh, it was just uh, the whole thing about it was, uh, I, I really do trust in a certain sense of destiny. If things are meant for you, they are. And I used to play in goal and I, I used to try and stop everything that was coming my way. And 
occasionally you'd let one go by, but most of all, most of them I was able to stop. And I'm glad I stopped the Nutcracker because it's a great little film. And one of your favourite kind of films to watch over Christmas, because obviously at the moment people will be listening to this, putting up their Christmas tree, getting all ready. Do you have certain classic films that you like to revisit? For me, I love stuff like Home Alone, Miracle on 34th Street, Gremlins, but are there certain ones that you watch every year? Well, I tend to, to, to as I said, I used to watch the, the, the religious ones, like uh, they used to be on the telly, uh, the, the Robe, and things like that. And... Uh, Mystery on uh, uh, what's the one? There is Grinch. I quite like Grinch. Oh, Grinch is great. Yeah. yeah. And what I ask everyone that's been on the podcast, and I've done over two hundred and forty episodes, but what advice do you give to anyone that's listening today that would love to be an actor? Because obviously you've been through a few decades now of acting and different types of roles. But what advice do you give to people that are trying to get out there right now, audition and make a name for themselves? Well, I don't mean to be trivial or, or trite, but uh, uh, I actually do a, a course uh, uh, which I've taken to various places around the world called Acting by Numbers, Zero to Ten. And they're, they're just uh, little exercises that one does. Uh, and I'll do the, 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 the first three with you. Is that Zero is the ability to do nothing. He's, I'm not talking about stage acting now. I'm talking about screen yeah. acting. And you get a camera and you, you, look, you walk into the room and do nothing for a count of 10. One is breathe. <laughs> two is you have two eyes and two ears. You look and you listen. And three, if you have a line, you speak, and you speak as your breath it comes from the third person of the Holy Trinity, the Spirit. I could go on, uh, but they're, they're little acting lessons. And the main thing is, you know, if you get a chance, know your lines, turn up in time, and don't bump into the furniture. And as long as you do that, you should be okay. Yeah, believe in yourself. I think that's it, it, the, the, the main thing is to be able to. You know, study your lines, study, get the story, tell the story. That's the absolute, no question, the most important thing. And my final question for you today is what I do on the podcast on every single episode is I ask the guests to pick the final piece of music that's played. So after this, ed after our interview today is all edited and for ready for the world to listen to, there's one final piece of music that's played at the end of the podcast, but you get to choose that today on the spot. So tell me a song that you love can be by any band or any piece of music in the world that you would love to be the personal choice of yours to end today's episode? Well, for Christmas, there's a song I did about, called Switzer's Window. It's by me. It's about the window that we used to go and visit at Christmas for children, where Santa would appear. So if you can manage to get that, and it's on, it's on many, it's on my all the podcasts you want. Yeah, it's called Switzer's Window. S W I T Z E R S. Switzer's Window, and I'd like to end on that note with a happy Christmas to everybody. I think that's absolutely perfect. It fits perfectly with the theme. It fits perfectly with the time of the year, and everything today has been a pleasure. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. No, it was a delight. Thank you very much. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Patrick Bergen. 
What an amazing guy. And as you heard on today's interview, we talked all about his latest film, Nutcracker Massacre, which is out now. I urge you all to go and check it out and then let me know what you think. He really, for me, is one of the best villains out there. I talked about it on the intro of the episode, but his villain on the amazing Sleeping With The Enemy is someone that's really chilling. I think it's one of the best villains out there. And if you've never seen this film, go and check it out. But also you've got stuff like Robin Hood, Patriot Games and so much more. So it's been an absolute honour to have you on the episode. I also want to say a massive thank you for everyone that's tuned in and listened to the episode. I really do appreciate all the retweets, the shares and all the stuff that you do to promote Mark and me. I don't have a marketing team, I'm a one man team. I'm really proud of that but I don't have this massive budget to spend on all these like sponsored tweets or Facebook campaigns. It really is down to word of mouth. So if you've enjoyed today's episode please hit that share button on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. All the links for my episode are on markandme.com and if you've really enjoyed today's episode, I do have a Patreon account. This is basically a way of you saying thank you and supporting me each and every month for as little as £1 per month. For that, you get a guaranteed episode every single week. Most weeks it's going to be two. But starting this year, I'm going to have Patreon exclusive episodes that are interviews that are just for you guys that support me on Patreon. That's my way of saying thank you. They're going to launch very, very soon and I can't wait to share with you all some amazing interviews that are just for you guys. Also, thanks to my amazing friends at Richer Sounds, I have some amazing prizes each and every month to give away and that's just for saying thank you. Not only that, you get a badge as soon as you sign up, some exclusive stickers and it really does help. Every penny that you put in via Patreon goes right back into the podcast. That allows me to host the podcast on stuff like Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts and all the different directories that are out there. It doesn't come cheap and it means that I can do it. So thank you to everyone that supports me. And please, if you're listening and can afford just a pound a month, jump on that link and help because it really makes a difference. It's not going to be a long gap again now until I release a new episode. I want this year to be my busiest yet. My audience nearly times by six last year via Spotify. I'm in the 0.5 of the most downloaded episodes on the whole of Spotify. And I want to try and top it this year. It's going to be an amazing year. I can't wait to share with you some incredible ideas, some new stuff, and as always, some incredible returning guests. So until next time, look after yourself, take care, and I'll speak to you all very soon.
at Switzer's window. There were elves, there were teddy bears, a snowman so white, a Santa who went ho, ho, ho. Reindeers already for Santa's big night, a sleigh full with presents to go and we'd stand in the snow and we'd stand in the rain our faces pressed close to the cold window pane but oh it was magic so long ago Christmas Dublin at Switzer's window. Many years later, so far, far from home. Christmas seems lost in the so long ago. I think of the people, the times I have known, days of my childhood and Switzer's window. And I stand in the snow, and I stand in the rain, my face pressed so close to a cold window pane, and oh, it was magic so long ago, Christmas in Dublin at Switzer's window. Switzer. 